Welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines. We're brought to you by Wenting's Cycle and Mission. Here's your Wenting's Word of the Week. It is safety. Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week is safety. We're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. With the race season on hold, it's time to focus on the important things in life. Give your mom a phone call, spend some more time with your kids, learn to make some new healthy food, and of course, keep up with at least 30 minutes of activity each day. And when we're back to normal, we're here for you. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. On our program today, we continue with our series on Olympic triathletes. They, of course, have been spending the past couple of weeks in quarantine doing their part to safeguard themselves and the people around them from the coronavirus. A couple of days back, we spoke with Tyler Mislachuk from Manitoba. Today, we'll be traveling to Carp, Ontario and speaking to a member of Canada's Olympic team. Joanna Brown will be our guest. Also on the program today, a new Between the Ears segment. We'll have Dr. Elise Ree stopping by to give us strategies to help us overcome the mental stresses as a result of the COVID crisis and social distancing. 30 minutes of virus-free FitSpeed comes your way right now. And welcome back again to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines. As we continue our special series on our national triathlon team and the Olympics, finding out how our Olympians are doing in light of the Tokyo Games being put off for one year. And on the phone with us, my first guest ever from Carp, Ontario. Um, welcome to FitSpeak, Joanna Brown. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Uh, first things first, you got to tell us about your hometown of Carp, Ontario. I was uh, doing some uh, research for the interview, and I now know that Carp is home of the Defum Bunker, and that was the place where, if things turned badly for former Prime Minister John Diefenbaker, he would hunker down in the case of some sort of nuclear holocaust. I don't know if there's uh, too, too much to say about Carp. It's a pretty small town, but uh, it's just in the Ottawa Valley. And I've, I've grown up here, um, lived here my entire life. And um, only in the last, well, I, I went to university in Guelph, but it's only been last year. So that, um, I haven't been in, in Carp. But yeah, no, it's a really cute little town, small town, um, kind of just lots of farmers, nice fairgrounds. So I really love it. How far are you from uh, our nation's capital in Ottawa? Um, it's not too bad, actually. We're maybe a 40-minute drive. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's quite accessible. Mm -hmm. And what are your parents doing? Uh, I, you're coming to us from your parents' basement, is that correct? Yeah, no, I just got back. Um, I was in Australia for a training camp and then over in the UK. Um, but yeah, I just got back and I'm self-quarantining for 14 days in my parents' basement. Mm -hmm. So, so far, so good. I have my bike set up down here um, in my bed and a little TV. So um, I'm doing okay. And my, my mom brings me food. So I'm uh, I'm doing the best that I can do with <laughs> with this whole situation. 
Do you have any special food requests from your mother or your father, for that matter, whoever's doing the the cooking for you right now? No, I'm not too picky. Um, my mom actually worked at a bakery for quite a few years, so she is a very, very good cook. Um, and I just honestly, I will eat whatever she brings me. She's she's great. Um, but yeah, no, just kind of classic, I'd say, um, Canadian winter foods, lots of soups and stews and um, nice warm things. But um, I think spring is going to come soon. So I'm looking forward to that already. Absolutely. And uh, we're out here in the Fraser Valley of British Columbia. And uh, like I was saying to a, a couple of the other folks on the Olympic team, I think it was Tyler, I I feel a bit uh, guilty because um, here in Canada, at least out on the West Coast, we were already fortunate to uh, have our first outdoor triathlon of the year at the season kickoff at UBC. And it was it wasn't the warmest of days, but you know, the fact that we could get out there on our bicycles outside and not have to navigate on streets full of ice or snow or snow plows or anything like that uh, made us feel, you know, pretty, you know, felt a lot of gratitude for that yeah no i uh just got back to canada so i can't attest to what the weather's been like but i know from what my parents have said that they're ready for some warmer weather so tell us about your adventures in uh, australia you had a pretty good trip down there and you decided to just jump into a race at the last minute and things turned out pretty sweetly for you yeah i was in australia for six weeks for a training camp um, and then at the end of it was the Malolaba World Cup. And I was thinking about doing the World Cup initially, but then um, before kind of the global situation started changing, I um, decided that I instead wanted to target the New Plymouth World Cup that was a couple of weeks later. Um, so I was just kind of in Malolaba watching uh, my friends race. And I was offered to race the Olympic distance Mm non-draft the day following the World Cup. And we had kind of gotten wind that things were changing and that the the races might start being cancelled. So I decided to kind of just jump in and get a race under my belt while I could. And yeah, it went really well. It was really fun. And uh, come on, say you won the race. Yeah, I won (laughs) the race. In the race, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. An amazing way to, well, I, I hate to say this, and I, I'm, I, I'm hoping I say this prematurely, but uh, a great way to end a season if your season has to end. Yeah, no, I mean, it's always good to, to get a win, and it was an amazing course, awesome atmosphere, and I just I couldn't have asked for a better race. So um, if that's the only one that I get in this year, then I'll just have to um, be at peace with that. But yeah, no, it was, it was a, a really good event. Well, let's uh, let's dwell on that thing that, um, you know, has happened to not only triathletes, but Olympians and athletes, you know, around the world. Uh, the fact that the Olympics have been canceled for 2020, uh, a wise decision, a tough decision all the same. But uh, how did you feel when you first heard the official announcement, no, uh, no racing at the Olympics this July for you? I think it was absolutely the right call by um, the Canadian Olympic Committee and then um, following that, the International Olympic Committee. And I think just with the uncertainty of the current situation that we're in, um, we need to absolutely put the health of the community first and sport 
is on the back burner. So I think it was absolutely the right call. I mean, it's it is hard to know that the Olympics aren't going to happen this year, but um, I mean, I feel like delaying it for one year is not the end of the world and it gives everybody a fair chance to prepare and just kind of plan out their seasons a bit better once we know um what the schedule is going to look like because at this point we just have no idea now i was just wondering uh i mean you did win the race however um triathletes our health can vary from week to week month to month sometimes we can get little injuries sometimes they're more major uh what kind of shape were you in just prior to things being kind of shut down yeah, no, I was starting to really roll. I was getting into some workouts and starting to feel better about where my fitness was at. Um, but yeah, I I wouldn't say I was near peak fitness. <laughs> I think the whole plan was to kind of try and peak once this year and that was for Tokyo. So we were kind of in still very much a base and strength phase. But yeah, no, I mean, I think I was suited to the Olympic distance non-draft cause, just because it was a bit longer and we'd been doing quite a few hours so yeah, no, it was um, it was not where I want to be, obviously later this year, but I was starting to get into some good shape. Mm-hmm. So somewhat disappointing, but it sounds like you know you're taking this in stride and you're gonna be uh, ready to roll come 2021. Yeah, exactly. No, I think I'm really excited for 2021. I mean, it's um, everybody's gonna have a chance to prepare for it. It's still going to be the amazing Olympic Games experience that we were all uh, looking forward to. Yeah. Earlier, we were talking uh, to Stefan, Daniel, and to Tyler, and Tokyo would have been their second Olympics. Um, are you uh, an Olympic veteran as well? No, I um, have not competed in an Olympic Games. Um, I've been really fortunate to do Pan American Games and Commonwealth Games, but I've never... Um, added olympics to that yet okay so so this this could be the fun well i mean it's all fun but uh, what sort of things were you kind of you know looking forward to at the olympic games other than just uh, uh other than racing i'm looking forward to the entire experience and i think it's something that is hard to describe until you're there and i think it's just it is a magical event and it's something that only comes around every four years And, you know, you kind of get added to this list of absolute legends that have made it to the Olympics. Yes. National heroes. um, Pardon me? I say national heroes. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, no, I'm just looking forward to um, the show that Tokyo is going to put on. And I think they'll do an amazing job with the event. Um, I'm looking forward to being there with my other Canadian teammates because I think that's always something that's really special about um, any major games is just the other Canadians that you get to meet and the team um, spirit and energy that you have uh, with being together with the entire nation. Um, And yeah, I'm just looking forward to checking out the village and the venue and everything. And um, I, yeah, I just, I kind of want to just take it all in. It is always something very special when you get to wear the Canadian maple leaf on your back. And I, every time I get to step up to a start line or, Uh, be part of a major games it it is absolutely um, inspiring and motivating and I just yeah I can't wait to do it again and we're hoping that you uh, and your health can you know keep it rolling until those next Olympic games but speaking of health and whatnot uh, right now you are doing the 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 right thing the Canadian thing you're you know self-quarantining for uh, two weeks but I'm wondering in addition to that are you um 
as an elite athlete, taking any special precautions to to keep your you know your body healthy? Um, as of right now, I mean, I'm just following the guidelines from our national federation and from the government and um, health professionals. But yeah, I just I think limiting my exposure to um, the outside environment and and where we could potentially pick up <laughs> the mm-hmm. virus and just staying on top of nutrition, sleep, all the important things, and just looking out for myself and my family. Um, as much as I can, but yeah, nothing uh, special. Just kind of uh, following all the recommendations. So no special potions or supplements that uh, the triathlon organization has you taking. No, no, nothing crazy. Just good old sleep and a good diet. Now that's the stuff my listeners want to know. I mean, what are what are the people you know at the highest levels doing? So they're eating well and they're sleeping properly. Yeah, I think everybody at the highest level is just nailing the basics and um, you combine that with a really good support team and coach and, um, yeah, people that surround you and it creates world-class performances. And, you know, training through consistency, right? Uh, Racking up the weeks, the weeks become months, the months become years and you stretch a few of those together with uh, a minimum of injury and a lot of consistency of training and... um, for those, you know, gifted and hardworking and talented, uh, both mentally and physically, um, they're off to the Olympics. Yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, years and years and years of putting that hard work in and, and being consistent and it pays off. <laughs> and I think, yeah, making smart decisions, nailing the basics, just being really, really stubborn. And um, I think obviously having a bit of natural talent too never hurts <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean there's uh, there's bits of everything but you know um even wayne gretzky i mean his biggest <laughs> asset was that he loved hockey so much that it was a joy to put in those countless hours to to do what he could do on the ice uh, and to make it look natural so even though you know it appeared like you know he just had the gift and he did he also had that mental tenacity to, to stick with it over years and decades and you know, he became the the hockey legend that he was. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's just that determination and perseverance and belief um, over years and years that that leads to world class athletes. And of course, twenty twenty is going to be a an exceptionally challenging year it's also a year that you're probably along with the rest of your teammates going to do a lot of learning because you're faced with uh the kind of adversity that triathletes have never had to face and that of course is doing the self-quarantining thing and also doing a lot of indoor training i mean folks like us uh you know, we love to swim, we love to bike, we love to run, and when we can, we do it outside as much as possible, even even as Canadians. But it sounds like you're going to be holed up in your basement for, you know, not only the next uh, couple of weeks, but, you know, potentially if uh, our Prime Minister Trudeau is uh, playing it by the book, a uh, couple of months. How are you going to handle that? Yeah, I think um, it's definitely difficult not to be swimming right now and um running and biking outside um and i think like you said it's as a triathlete or as any athlete you know you you thrive off of activity and doing something and um i think it's not natural for many of us to not do anything (laughs) which is the best thing right now 
but yeah, I think weeks turning potentially months. Um, it's just, yeah, it's keeping my uh, support network close and involved. And I'm really fortunate to be with my parents and um, have a really good support team. And I think I'm on the phone every day with my friends and training partners and everybody's just kind of staying connected and trying to lift each other up right now. Um, cause it's, it's not going to be easy and I don't think anybody expects it to be easy. Mm-hmm. And I think recognizing that too is, is probably a good thing. And yeah, just being patient and knowing that a lot of people are in the same boat or, or, you know, even in more difficult situations than we are. And we just have to trust um, what we're being told to do. And I think for us right now, it's a chance to give back uh, to the community and do our part. And it's absolutely essential that we just do everything we can to help to right the situation. Yeah, and I was saying uh, when I pitched this idea to the folks at Triathlon Canada, I mean, we look at our elite athletes um, as role models for us. I mean, whether we're age groupers or juniors, um, you're the folks going to the Olympics. I mean, you, you know, you are great role models. You've put in the time. So I I think there's a lot... uh, lot for us to learn from you folks um which means leads me to the next question what was the last workout that you did um so i just finished a Zwift race and it was my first one ever um tell us more it, pardon me tell us more oh yeah i um i thought it was 35 minutes but it was 35 kilometers which was a bit of a shock um and it was really, really, really hard. <laughs> um, I probably went harder than I should have, but it was pretty fun. And you get in there and you get pretty competitive. So I think it's Zwift right now for anybody that cycles is an excellent way to kind of get that competitive juice flowing. Yeah, that was the last thing I did on my indoor bike. You know, I, I feel like I should be getting a cut of all the profits from Zwift. Uh, I was talking to Tyler yesterday, and in the past week, he's signed up for Zwift. I was talking to uh, one of Tyler's uh, friendly foes on the Canadian uh, triathlon circuit, our guy from uh, North Vancouver, Nathan Killaman. Nathan's been kind of our local hero on Zwift, taking on all comers. And, of course, we've got that kid from Ontario who's now down in the States, Lionel Sanders, ripping it up on Zwift. and uh, doing all those sorts of things. But now that you're on board, I mean, it's, it sounds like Zwift is the place to be for, you know, not only Canadian cyclists, but Canadian triathletes as well. Yeah, no, I mean, so like I said, today was my first one, but I can see how people get incredibly addicted to it. You just, you kind of want to keep, uh, keep racing and it's pretty cool platform. And I mean, right now it's the perfect time, um, to use Zwift and, yeah, I think it's a good little outlet. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things I've got a lot of athletes in our local triathlon club, they're already stressing out that they're, you know, not being able to get to the pool and get those swim workouts in. I'm just wondering how you're going to, you know, I mean, obviously it's early days in this, but how are you going to approach that? Yeah, I um, think that it's just having a good um, strength program that you can still do indoors will be really important, whether that's with bands or weights um, and trying to do that every few days and stay on top of it. I think just so you don't 
uh, lose the upper body strength too much because um, I know that's something that I really struggle with when I'm doing a lot of running and biking is that I lose upper body strength quite quickly. Um, but yeah, just doing core, upper body, staying on top of it. I think the feel of the water will come back pretty quickly once you start swimming again. It's just a matter of time of keeping the muscle memory a little bit with some specific banded exercises. Mm-hmm. And I think the it's the hardest thing to do and probably the easiest thing to say is just not to um, overthink it too much and not to panic too much because so many people are in the same situation and um, the more you stress, the more it's going to take away from your recovery and your other workouts and just, you know, everyday life. So you kind of just have to be creative with um, replicating it however you can on dry land and um, get the most out of running and biking right now and some strength workouts. And then once you're back in the pool, make that a priority and kind of shift your focus again. Yeah, I mean, taking this idea of periodization, here's a, your chance to become, you know, um, Canada's best do-athlete, right, under the circumstances. Unless, I'm thinking, if you had an ice auger right now, you could head down maybe a couple of kilometers and drill a hole in the Ottawa River and maybe start practicing, no? Yeah, I'm not that desperate. <laughs> See, okay, that's, um, yeah, absolutely. And that's some of our club members, you know, we're already getting in the lakes, putting in some strokes. It's a different environment than the lakes here. You know, they are borderline swimmable right now, but of course out in Eastern Canada, um, in Ontario, I mean, the rest of the country is, is, is still in pretty much winter mode. Yeah, I think it was minus 12 overnight last night, so I won't be jumping in any water around here anytime soon. <laughs> nor, nor are you probably excited to. Um, let's talk about that ugly M word for a couple of minutes. So uh, as an elite triathlete and a member of Canada's Olympic team, you're going around the world representing Canada, you know. But how do you make it uh, financially, especially considering you're not going to be racing and there's no race day paychecks for the next, uh, you know, foreseeable future yeah, that's been um, definitely stressful the last couple weeks trying to figure out, um, you know, how we can make this year still financially viable. And for many elite triathletes, that is your source of income is um, prize money from races. Yeah, it's it's definitely stressful. It's definitely on my mind. Um, but I think we're fortunate to have the backing of Sport Canada. And I believe we'll be um, have, we'll have their backing again next year. So they're not going to change the criteria, especially if we don't get a chance to race. Um, so that's always helpful for um, Canadian athletes. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm honestly, it is something that I worry about and it it's not sustainable for a super long term. But yeah. I think um, for the current situation, you just kind of got to make the most of it and save money where you can. And um, yeah, I think... That, yeah, it's it is a hard one, but mm-hmm. uh, that is the reality of of our our sport and our profession. One of the things I was always interested in, and I'm looking at the latest uh, one of the latest editions of Triathlon Canada magazine. I, you were in it, of course, uh, about your year. But I'm looking at this picture of Tyler, and he's got a well, you've got a couple of sponsors on there. There's the two XU, and there's this one Dita Elements, and there's I think there's one or two others. So I'm wondering, um, are you guys, uh, as in the athletes, uh, are you getting any like financial perks from these? companies that uh, are on board with Triathlon Canada? Um, yeah, so a lot of us have individual sponsors and um, we're quite fortunate to have their backing. 
Um, and those are just sponsors that we seek out individually um, to try and support our journey. And um, I'm really fortunate to work with Nike um, for a few years now and companies like Ventum and Shimano. So I'm, you know, quite well and pro. So I'm quite well um, settled for product and I don't have to, you know, try and purchase that myself. So I'm really, really fortunate with the sponsors that I have. And I think that is another way that you can, you know, kind of help <laughs> help your season and help it help yourself financially is is by having personal sponsors. Absolutely. It's exciting too. It also gives you, you know, I think of athletes, you know, who are individual sport athletes, uh like triathletes, like uh high-end runners, like high-end cyclists. Uh it's almost like you're running your own business and the brand you're selling is yourself. So whatever you can do to, you know, increase your visibility, to promote your brand uh, is, uh, you know, icing on the cake. I mean, it's uh, it's good for you. It's good for the sponsors. It, it's good for the sport, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Visibility is everything. And um, the more that you can be visible and promote the companies that support you, the more they are excited in turn to help you out. So yeah, absolutely. Visibility and just, you know, racing is a huge part of that. And social media is a huge part of that. And you do, you get to create your own brand and um, help and people will get on board with the brand you've created. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, in some ways it is pretty exciting and pretty cool. And it's um, unique to, to what we do. And I think triathlon being the, market that it is Mm -hmm. we are fortunate that you know there is a lot of equipment that comes with the sport and um for us being able to show what we use and who we're supported by um can help those companies as well absolutely now um continuing with this thread about money um eventually you're going to become uh you know you're gonna have a wonderful run at the olympic games um when you get into those golden years i'm not talking retirement but uh the next phase of of your life um are there any sorts of career paths that you're kind of looking at right now (laughs) yeah i've actually you know what recently i've thought about that more and more but I I'm I, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> oh um, man, that's classic. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't quite decided, but I did study quite a few things in school. I did um biomed and then economics and finance. Um but I think nowadays I shift kind of more towards maybe psychology. Um I am really still interested in medicine, but it would just be such a long process mm. uh, to get through after this. So we'll see where I'm at. But yeah, no, I haven't ruled anything out yet. Um, there's quite a few fields that make me excited, but I definitely, I am looking forward to um, life after triathlon and, and that new pursuit of something different. And, you know, you're going to take all those skills and disciplines that you've had to employ as an elite athlete and, either hit the books or start a business or pursue the career. And, you know, I mean, these are amazingly transferable skills and, uh, you know, whatever you choose to be, you're going to nail it because, you know, of the, the hard work you're doing in your one chosen discipline right now. 
Yeah, I hope um, my employer also doesn't mind that I'm constantly hungry and I usually nap about 2 p.m. every day. <laughs> it can be done. Take it, from, yeah. uh, take it from an insider. Now, here might be the toughest question of the interview. Um, we're getting really tough now. So here it is. It's kind of open-ended. So I know you've been doing a lot of press. You've been speaking to uh, Kevin McKinnon at Triathlon Magazine and a host of other people in the you know sports community. But... What is a question that you haven't been asked so far, but you would like to be asked? Goodness. Um, kind of a chance for you to, you know, have a bit of a soapbox moment here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't really know. Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I feel, honestly, I, I feel like people aren't too curious about <laughs> about me. <laughs> um I just kind of, I'm, I live a pretty boring existence, you know, training and eating and sleeping. Goodness. Well, maybe I'll, I'll talk about um, one of my favorite places in the world. Sure. Yeah. So I think my favorite place to train in the entire world is Bath in the United Kingdom. Um, and it's in the Cotswolds in the southwest of the UK. And I got to train there this fall. And it was absolutely incredible. Just these amazing lanes, really cool trails, um, great facilities. And yeah, I think that would be my favorite place in mm. the world to train. Assuming that you had kids at some point down the road, how would you like to tell them how you dealt with this great COVID crisis of 2020? Oh, goodness. Um, I hope this does not become the great COVID crisis of 2020. I really hope that um, we can we can get this situation under control quite quickly. Um, but yeah, I think I would tell my kids that um, I became a Zwift world champion. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, <laughs> that um, I ran an incredible amount on the country roads in Carp, Ontario. Mm -hmm. Spent some time with my parents after, you know, the better part of 10 years living away from home. <laughs> mm -hmm. And got a chance to reconnect with them and my brother and sister. Oh, goodness. I mean, I keep telling my parents that we need a, a puppy, a quarantine puppy. Oh, so maybe sure I can also. <laughs> I could also tell my parents about, I'm sorry, tell my kids about how I convinced my parents to get me a puppy while I'm in quarantine. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I'm a koala guy and it would have been so sweet if you could have smuggled one of those cute little things on the plane ride back to, back to home and, you know, maybe, uh. Let me have a chance to cuddle a koala for the first time in my life. But uh, total great segue. Here's the last FitSpeak question for you, Joanna. Sounds good. Here we come. It's It's got to do with animals and you. So if if you could be an animal other than a human being, uh, what animal would you be and tell us why? Well, um, I, I think my spirit animal is probably a monkey. Um, just because I'm a bit gangly and awkward. But if I could have my choice of animal, I you think I'd want to be a fox. A fox? Why is that? Um, I just think they're very elegant and sleek and quick. And yeah, I just, I like looking at them. <laughs> yeah, they're attractive animals, very crafty. Uh, you know, they're, they are a bit of a predator. So you have to kind of keep careful when you're around a fox. Yeah, I think they're underestimated, but they're mm -hmm. also predator, very mm -hmm. intelligent. Yes. So. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time here, Joanna. No worries. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I uh, wish you the the best of luck in the lead up to uh, Tokyo 2021. Um, best of health and uh, the best of uh, mental health as you hunker down there for the last part of your, uh, you know, quarantining in your parents' basement. Yeah, it sounds good. We're going to need to be changing the hashtag to Tokyo 2021. So that's a bit more of a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Anyways, thank you so much again. Thanks. Hello, this is Dr. H. Elise Ree, and this is Between the Ears. Today I'm going to talk about the COVID-19 crisis and stopping the hamster brain from taking over your world. There's plenty of information in the media on how to cope with the COVID-19 crisis in terms of social distancing, hand washing, and personal symptom monitoring. How can we cope with the mental health impacts of this crisis? The most common reactions to this crisis are fear and worry, which come from the uncertainty of not knowing what will happen to you and your loved ones. Will I catch it? Will they catch it? The brain does not like uncertainty. It can act like a hamster in an exercise wheel. It can get stuck in an endless loop of worrying about things that will likely never happen. While worrying about these future unlikely events, the present moment is lost and clouded with negativity. This process can also lead to other physical symptoms such as stomach upset, headache, etc. If you are struggling with hamster brain, here are some things you and your loved ones can do. First, switch your thoughts to having gratitude and being in the present moment. Ask yourself, what things am I grateful for right now? Do you appreciate that you do not have to spend three hours a day commuting in traffic? That you and your loved ones are healthy right now if they are? That you have extra time to do fun things? That you live in Canada? The next thing you can do to calm the hamster brain is to do a 10-minute meditation. Daily meditation tends to lower our general sense of nervousness. There are several great guided meditations available on the internet, including mine that's on YouTube if you Google Dr. Rhee's meditation. The current COVID-19 crisis has had devastating health and financial consequences for people around the world. Feeling upset is normal. Spending a lot of the day and night in a hamster wheel is not normal and not healthy. Many of us have acquired extra time due to the stay-at-home directives. We can use this time wisely by enhancing our ability to cope with this crisis and with future stressors in our lives. We can switch our brains from engaging in unhealthy habits to healthy habits, such as being in the present moment and practicing gratitude and meditation. Thank you. This is Dr. HLE3, Between Years. That's it for another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wenting Cycle and Mission. Your Wenting's word of the week is safety. Once again, your Wenting's word of the week is safety. We're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport, reminding you to keep your social distance, call your mom and the people closest to you, and to keep up with that exercise every single day. Join us next time on FitSpeak as we'll be going to Barcelona, Spain to talk to ultra-distance triathlete Ramon Lopez. For Dr. Elise Ree, Mikey Ross, and the rest of the FitSpeak gang, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.